Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 0605. Zero, Seriously, it's Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us. On this episode, we're joined by Brendan Snegas and Greg Stack with Angel Flight Central. We learn about how this organization makes charitable medical flights possible through their network of volunteer aviators from across the Midwest. And as always, news, information, and events from around the region with some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in and let's take off into this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Jim. Trevor, Maddie, how are you guys doing? Swimmingly. Swimmingly. (laughs) I love that word. Well, great. Welcome, everyone, to the Flying Midwest Podcast. We love that you've taken some time out of your precious day to listen to three bozos talk about planes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Maddie, how's the flying been? It's really bumpy here, (laughs) like really bumpy in the afternoons. And that's the only time I've been able to fly. It's like crazy. (laughs) Hey Trevor, how did your day go today? No, I got to sit in the engineer's seat for a real flight for the first time. And everybody, I'm actually kind of disappointed. Everybody promised me it was going to be a a helmet fire. What? A helmet fire? Yeah. That's a new one for me. Could you elaborate? Like a fire helmet, like you're a firefighter. No, like 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 you your flames on your like, helmet. Like you got flames coming out of your helmet from your brain being okay. fried. Okay. Oh. Because this this is like day one for flying the actual airplane. Okay. Like okay, you flip a switch and things actually happen. Mm-hmm. Versus the sim where it's just like simulated it happened, and um, most people when they get into the airplane for the very first time, they're like so task saturated with the most remedial things they nicknamed that a helmet fire and i was very disappointed because today was not a helmet fire i don't think you should be disappointed by that i think that you should take it and run oh i i already have they've 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 already given me a nickname oh boy osi osi okay what is office of office of special investigations why did you get that nickname because apparently it was not a helmet fire that um i did not tell them that i have aviation experience like a lot of aviation experience and when my instructor looked at me funny like you didn't eat anything for breakfast you're not drinking anything oh you're gonna be puking because we're like we're like 300 feet off the deck we're we're contouring the mountains and you're going up one side going down the other and this and that and um 
I didn't get airsick. I don't normally get airsick. And he thought I was. And so he, he was like, oh, okay, this is going to be what the first day is going to be like. And I take the seat and it's like, it's an orchestra. Good. How does so, that make you OSI? I don't get it. They think you're like a, like you're a plant <laughs> and you're secretly auditing the course or something or what? The reason why they call me OSI is because I did so well on my first flight that there's no way that I have, that's my first time in a C-130 flight. Fascinating. Special Agent Trevor, yes. we appreciate you uh, joining the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. That is really funny. I'm a funny guy. Hey, Jen, did you fly at all this week? Um, I did, but very briefly. Um, I was The windows I had didn't work as well as I wanted them to. It was, we had some low clouds that one day. So we were going to do some work in the pattern just to knock some stuff out. So I was working on some commercial stuff with my power off 180s. And How'd, how'd you do? Um, I need to work on those. <laughs> more i i will admit that um it's just i felt pretty good with them when i did it in my private pilot training because my instructor made me do those regularly during the private pilot phase and i just haven't done them in a while so just getting used to what that feels like again has been a bit of a challenge but just keep going back up and i'll figure it out oh yeah the power off 180 is one of the most dynamic maneuvers that you can do in all of training. Aside from just regular landings, which are dynamic all the time, Power Off 180 takes a lot of different factors and smashes them together. Whereas like for a, like say lazy eights, you do pretty much the same thing every time. Like, yeah, you're, you're correcting and things, but generally you're doing the same thing every time, but the Power Off 180 is pretty special in that you have to account for all kinds of wind, wind factors, your plane and um, current energy state. Yeah, you have to, it's a lot of energy management. So it's not surprising that it is one of the most difficult maneuvers to master. Hey guys. So I saw something on the, uh, on the old uh, Weber cider. The Weber cider? Yeah. Some, some weird, some weird things on it now. Want to talk to me about it? Weird things like t-shirts, hats, and mugs. Okay, I know where we're going with this. Um, our merch site, our merch site is live. Um, <laughs> so if you are interested in any Flying Midwest podcast merchandise, we've got t-shirts. We've got some of those baseball, like three-quarter cutoff, um, like long-sleeve shirt deals. Some hoodies, um, some other cool fingers. stuff. We don't have. I think you fingers. mean three-quarter sleeve. What did I say? Three-quarter zip? No, three-quarter cutoff. Three-quarter. They're cut off. <laughs> There, we have cut off selling ultimate crop tops now. We're yeah, we're selling flying Midwest crop tops. Uh, we also have a wide variety of cut off jean shorts or shorts. <laughs> and let's not call it merch. Let's call it uh, memorabilia. Memorabilia, but the website is flying mid or it's flyingmidwest.com slash merch. Which is what it is. We none of this stuff is memorable. It's just merchandise. <laughs> Not that we've done the last 18 episodes is memorable. So why start now? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, th- I think we've lost. I think, we, I think we killed Maddie. Oh my God. Man, we killed Maddie. You <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Jean Shorts sent me. You needed a moment. Yeah, fly Midwest Jorts. It's going to be great. No, I was going to say that. 
Now we have to make patches so I can make my fly Midwest shorts. Oh, God, no. In all seriousness, though, we are really excited to bring our merchandise out to all of you. You guys have been asking for it. We're excited to bring it to you. So be the first of your fellow pilots to be sporting your flying Midwest podcast merchandise. It looks really good. We have like the coolest logo ever. So yeah, that, that logo is pretty sweet. So thanks to Trevor for making that part happen. So I got some of the sample merchandise and I think that they did a really good job with it. So um, sometimes you use these websites and you're not really sure what you're going to get. And it's kind of sketch and Mm -hmm. like, "Eh," but um, no, the quality was a lot better than I anticipated. Can I say that? Yeah. Well, I just did. So Uh, (laughs) should we move on to some news, you guys? Let's move on to some news. Let's do it. We've got some fun stuff. Let's start in Wisconsin. 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 Swiss cheese, Wisconsin. As you may have heard, if you are anywhere on the internet, Air Wisconsin is going to become an official American Eagle carrier. Apparently, they can't get enough of the Nickelback of the skies, and they are bringing 60 CRJ 200s um, at their new base at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. It is a five. Hang on. Did you call them the Nickelback of the skies? It was in the article. I take no responsibility for it. I am just reporting on this article. (laughs) All right, carry on. But it's true. Nobody really likes them, but they're around, right? Air Wisconsin, again, will initially base up to 40 CRJ-200 aircraft at Chicago O'Hare, which is American's hub. Uh, It's a five-year contract, and it's known as a capacity purchase agreement. Um, But they also may uh, expand in the future at other key hubs. And the agreement also opens the possibility of adding 70-seat CRJ-700s to the Air Wisconsin fleet in the future. People are hoping that the addition of Air Wisconsin to American's fleet will help uh, bring back air service to cities that have since been losing air service, such as Toledo, Ohio, and Dubuque, Iowa. That would be really cool because, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, unfortunately, with the pilot shortage in the airlines, they're having trouble getting pilots to go to smaller cities. And so they are no longer, a lot of airlines are no longer servicing smaller cities in favor of keeping their pilots on the larger routes. Let's go to Grand Forks, North Dakota. They have a new uh, unmanned aerial industry that has grown exponentially over the past couple of years. Yeah. Grand Forks slash East Grand Forks, their chamber of commerce announced they'll be formulating a, um, uh, a North Dakota UAS leadership committee. They'll convene and they'll talk about unmanned aerial systems and how they can be applied. What it boils down to is uh, research and development. They also have a company-based uh, or Grand Forks-based company called Eyesight Drone Service. They discuss openings and all that sort of stuff. So they're trying to bring more people and more employees to the industry, trying to expand that 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 industry. Northrop Grumman has, uh, I think, about 150 employees at Grand Sky. It's actually kind of kind of cool to watch the uh, watch the UAS uh, advent really start kicking off in Grand Forks. Speaking of UAS or drones, K State, so Kansas State, we're jumping down south a little bit, was just granted $145,000 to study the use of drones after disasters. Kansas State is based out of Manhattan, Kansas. The Federal Aviation Administration announced that this grant would be headed to Kansas State. It is one of several, although this one is the smallest grant. 
The senator of Kansas said that this grant will be used to study the use of drones in providing effective and efficient responses to different natural and human-made disasters. So a lot of the disasters and things we see in Kansas are tornadoes, earthquakes, and fires. So I assume they're going to definitely be looking at those, especially as we're calming down uh, with storm season a little bit. But this will really help farmers and ranchers across Kansas because most of Kansas is farmland getting a better scope of the a disaster. So going after um, like a tornado goes through an area and seeing exactly what needs to be repaired and things will be really, really helpful um, for all of these people who are working the land in Kansas. It's cool that Kansas State um, is getting to participate in this particular study. So we'll see what comes of it. What else you got over Kansas? And I think you have another news story. Oh, just a little thing called the Kansas Aviation Museum. <laughs> so actually here in Wichita, we have what's called the Kansas Aviation Museum. It's located in an old terminal of an airport that actually doesn't exist anymore, but they have a lot of different cool aircraft um, in there and showcasing Wichita's very rich aviation history. So a new exhibit was just unveiled, uh, was actually on National Aviation Day, so a few days ago, and it is focusing on highlighting the accomplishment of women in aviation. So this exhibit um, features women, especially from the Wichita area, including Amelia Earhart, and it dives into their accomplishments in regards to military and paving the way for future female pilots like myself. They, yeah, they cut the ribbon on Friday. If you're interested in going to see this exhibit, which if you're in Kansas, I highly recommend um, you can find that on their website, which is kansasaviationmuseum.org. Since I'm taking care of the Dakotas tonight, Forest Service tests new special balloons in Northwest to monitor large wildfires. So this is actually kind of interesting. Apparently they're using like what we'd commonly refer to as weather balloons to fly up above a, uh, a forest fire in like in remote control balloons. And they can loiter around fires for a very long time. And they can go ahead and do a lot of research. They'll, they'll go up to like 60 or 70,000 feet and are solar powered. They're held aloft via helium. And they can transit for about 11 days nonstop. And they actually have a little map on the, uh, on the website I'm looking at where they've got up to 40 mile range. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool. It goes to a stratospheric flight path. So they tested this during the Moose Fire with the national with the uh, national forest service but it looks like it's the holy grail for uh, wildland fire safety giving fire commanders a real-time view of the flames burning relationships it's almost as live feed as you can get another platform that's under advisement is actually from a california-based swift engineering company where it has a winged aircraft that can provide continuous remote sensing uh, from altitudes of 55 to 70,000 feet for up to 30 days at a time uh, versus the 11 days with the balloon yeah it's just all around Kind of a cool application for drones. It's kind of neat to hear how long those things can stay up there. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Yes, Trevor. Do we have some events to talk about? I've got a number of events to talk about. Let's dive right in. First up, the Cleveland National Air Show featuring the United States Navy Blue Angels. That'll be September 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Burke Lakefront Airport in Cleveland, Ohio. An important note on this one, tickets are only available in advance online there will be no gate sales you can check that out at clevelandairshow.com the link will be in the show notes for that one that same weekend the garmin kc air show featuring performers such as the u.s air force thunderbirds the red bull helicopter the u.s army golden knights and many more 
You can check that event out at the New Century Air Center in New Century, Kansas. More information for that air show will be available at kcairshow.org. The following weekend, September 8th through the 10th, you can check out the Midwest LSA Expo. That event takes place at the Mount Vernon Outland Airport in Mount Vernon, Illinois. This sale and demo show is the 14th annual Midwest LSA Expo and is catered towards those interested in light sport aircraft. More information on that event, MidwestLSAExpo.com. On September 17th, 2022, 1.30 p.m. at the Albertus Airport, the Northwest Illinois Air Show. Gates for that event open at 10.30 and the show starts at 1.30 p.m. This event will feature performers such as the Philips 66 team, as well as a number of warbirds on static displays, such as a T-28, T-33, and a Stearman. Advanced purchase tickets for this event are $10 online, $15 at the gate, and children 10 and under are free. More information on this event at nwilairshow.com. And our last event is Labor Day weekend at the Prickett Grooms Annual Fly-In in Sydenham, Michigan. I'll be at this event as well as others. This is a fly-in camp-in event. And as we talked about on our last episode, it is that airfield that your flight instructor warned you about with the turf and the short field. So come on out. I hope to see some of you out there. So that'll be it for events. Let's talk about this episode. So we have a really cool episode for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk to a couple guys from Angel Flight Central. Uh, now, for those of you that that are not aware, Angel Flight is one of those organizations. It's, a, it's an all-volunteer force, and they provide transportation to medical appointments and facilities at no charge for those that are receiving the medical treatment. So we're excited to welcome Angel Flight Central's Executive Director, Brendan Sneegas, and one of their volunteer pilots, Greg Stack, to talk to us about their programs. Now, Greg is a recently retired Lieutenant Colonel from the United States Air Force with a number of years flying the A-10 Warthogs. Um, so we thank him for his service, as well as both of them for their con uh, continuation of service with the Angel Flight Central program. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, you two. Um, we are all about um, just expanding the knowledge of all the aviation opportunities in the Midwest, uh, sharing those stories with each other, and just growing the aviation community within the Midwest itself. So if, if through that we can find more pilots that are interested in volunteering and flying for a purpose, as we call it, um, that's great too. So thank you for coming. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. So we're going to start you guys off with kind of our fast five questions that we ask. And typically how we've done these recently is if we've got two guests, you guys are both on the hot seat. So we'll ask for answers from both of you. Um, we will either secretly or not so secretly judge your responses and go from there. So question one, favorite aviation specific destination. Okay, since I'm a non-pilot, I just hang out with 300 of them. I'm just gonna say AirVenture and Oshkosh. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> All right, I'd say recently in the last couple of years, I got an opportunity to fly to Sedona, Arizona. Highly, highly recommended. Awesome airstrip uh, up in the mountains. Really, really cool scenery. Uh, one, of the, one of the coolest places I got to fly into. Sedona, All right. And I hear a lot about Bentonville too. About where? Bentonville. Bentonville. Okay. Where's that yeah. at? Uh, I will double down on that. Bentonville is awesome. Yeah. Great. I'll, I'll, I'll get a video for you, Jim, because I'm going to fly up there. I got a gold star mother I'm going to go visit. Okay. Is that in Arkansas? Uh-huh. Okay. I've, it sounded right, <laughs> but I've never been there. I've never thought about the place. So. 
It's Utah. not in the Midwest. That's what I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, question two. Best aviation-related book or your favorite aviation-related book? Ooh. We've done movies before, and that just felt like it was too easy. Sure. I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, it's called Various Upside Down. It's uh, it's about fast facts in Vietnam. Uh, it's an incredible story. A little long to explain, but uh, it, it talks all through some of the uh, how the, the forward air controllers in Vietnam uh, flew F-105s. It was, uh, it's a very inspiring uh, story, actually. There's a Minnesota pilot um, who was a favorite of mine. I think he's second or third on the list of all um, Angel Flight Central pilots and the number of flights he's flown. His name is Gordy. Gordy Lewis, um, he retired um, at 65 and then got his pilot's license um, and um, and retired from flying at age 80. But in the wow. meantime, he flew, um, I'm going to butcher it, but I, I think well over 300 angel flight missions for us. Wow. wow. Um, and so there's a book out there in, in Minneapolis called Gordy. Gordy. All right. Question three, now I'll hit the movies. Favorite aviation movie quote? Oh my gosh. I, I wish somebody would have sent me these ahead of time so I could think about it. Oh no. It's supposed that's, to be a pop quiz. <laughs> that's the point. It's, it's to get you, uh, get you relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, oh. by asking hard questions that make you really think. <laughs> oh my gosh. Aviation movie quote. Favorite. Favorite. Okay. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> Airplane. That's the great that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say that uh, I feel the need, the need for speed. That's always <laughs> one of my favorites. Very topical. It is. Coming, coming from an Air Force, Air Force pilot too. I'm sorry. That's true. This is where Trevor's not so secretly judging you about your answer. Uh, hey, you, you, you can judge away. That's okay. All right. The next question I got for you: Any aviation-related pet peeves? Uh, guys that that uh, overtalk on the radio, that don't think before they key the mic. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, me too. And I am I that one. We agree on something. No, I am that one, so sorry about that, guys. <laughs> now, I'm secretly judging you. Well, not... That's, no, that's overtly, fine. That's overtly. fine. Oh, my gosh. I can't even think of one. I don't want to insult our pilot population with something that I don't quite understand. I think we can give you a pass on this one. All hmm. right. We'll insult your pilot population on your behalf at some point. Okay. So. <laughs> 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 All right, the final question. Anyone that you could meet in you know aviation related, dead or alive, who would it be? I'd say Amelia. With her um with her uh museum just an hour north of me and here in Kansas City. Um there's a forest of friendship up there that celebrates her life and times and um everyone in the aviation industry, she would be wonderful. That is an awesome festival up there, by the way. I'd have to I'd have to throw in Charles Lindbergh. That would be one of my one of my favorites. Growing up on Long Island uh, in New York and him flying over the ocean, just kind of I would love to ask that question of what do you think uh, and and all of that that everything that went into that uh, his decision to do that. I think that would be incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That that'd be a fun conversation. And so, trying to keep trying to keep it Minnesota based. I mean, Lind Lindbergh was from Minnesota, so mm -hmm. okay. I mean. We have to take points in Minnesota when we can. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody always forgets Fair about enough. us. So. And have you seen our professional sports teams? We've got to do what we got to do. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
Thanks for playing along for our, our first five questions we have with you. Now we'll get to the real meat and potatoes of the episode and chat with you about Angel Flight Central. Brennan, can you give us a brief overview, of, or even a lengthy overview, for that matter, um, of what Angel Flight is and how it came about? Sure. Uh, it came about um, right here in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City, um, by a gentleman named Jim Stevens, who met an eight-year-old little boy at church who was adopted from a local family. This little guy had some really, really bad heart issues and needed to um, needed surgical care really quick. So um, they were able to find a surgeon that would do the surgery. However, the, the, the travel to, from Kansas City to, to Cleveland um, wasn't in the family's budget. And Jim thought, I've got, I've got a plane downtown. Um, I, can, I can take this guy. And so he loaded the family up and took him to Cleveland. And um, on his way back, he thought there has to be um, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of children and adults in our community who are in this position, um, who could utilize the help of pilots with huge hearts. So he came back and, um, and put the word out, just attempting to find pilot friends to join his cause. Uh, once they got all established and ready to go, they had a small um, pilot team. They just carried a notebook home with them and made calls to passengers and pilots. Um, the organization became official in 1995. Um, so we are in our 27th year of service. Um, 33,000 total flights to people in need. Um, what started with Jim as a single pilot um, is now about 350 pilots across a 10-state region. Um, we are truly Midwest, so Kansas and Missouri are as furthest south as we go, as furthest east as Indiana. Um, then we cover the whole Canadian border and, and then straight down the Dakotas and, and Nebraska border. So a staff of four of us um, are in the downtown Kansas City um, airport. And um, we're basically taking calls from people in need all day long, um, screening them. Currently, right now, we have 200, 200 flights that we're currently screening passengers through, 33 flights that they've been screened and we're waiting on pilots for. Um, and then once we have the passengers screened and they meet all of our qualifications and they understand the environment they're going to be in, then we share those needs with our, with our volunteer pilots like Greg. And he can take a look at them and take a look at the time and date and total weight, um, the distance and, um, and check his schedule and see if it's something that, that would match um, what his purpose is. Um, and so just as an example, the last two months, um, June and July, we've, we put together 645 flights um, and um, are doing two to 3,000 a year. Um, and um, it's just an absolute joy. About 70% of our passengers are adults, surprisingly, um, um, and then 30% are kids. About 90% of our flights are for medical purposes. Um, the remaining 10% are um, disaster and uh, recovery, and um, we assist with uh, delivering breast milk um, to rural hospitals there in Minnesota, um, and uh, blood plasma to processing centers, um, and uh, some, some children's flight, uh, camp flights in the summertime. Um, and so that 10% is more humanitarian um, things that we can do where two runways could basically solve a problem. Um, so um, Greg is a part, I, I, I could talk about all the stuff behind the scenes. It's, it's great that he's here because he can talk about the passion of these pilots um, who are giving their, um, their talent and their, and their finances and everything to, to make these connections actually happen. 
Um, they're the heroes in all of it. Being at part of an NGO within the general aviation and corporate aviation realm, it's it's one of the most wholesome, one of the best experiences I've ever had. So, mm. you know, when when you get into disaster response, I mean, when you're talking disaster response, you're, you're talking my cup of tea right there. Being able to help people. You know, when mm-hmm. I when I was first a, a private pilot, I was trying to figure out how could I build time and I wanted to give back. And for, you know, a low time pilot, the, the quickest thing I could do was, you know, doing pilots and pause or something to that effect. Yeah. You know, now when I get to the now, if, if I ever get back into an airplane again, I'm going to be I'm going to be joining your ranks. You know, that's going to be one of the cool things is, you know, if, if you get an opportunity and, and this is for all the listeners out there that, you know, maybe they're they're private pilots or maybe they're student pilots get into something like this where you can we can give back to the community because pilots are looking for that mission that's right perfectly stated i hope once i own an aircraft hopefully someday obviously it's a little hard being a cfi with student loans but someday i would love to be a part of an organization like that i too want to give back in a you know more tangible way that leads me to my next question greg how did you get involved with angel flight yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I'm glad you guys mentioned Pilots for Pause as well. Um, that was kind of, I bought uh, my own airplane two years ago, right after I finished up uh, doing a squadron command job uh, in the Air Force. I knew I was going to get ready to retire and I wanted to get back into general aviation. Uh, I bought my own airplane a couple of years ago. Um, and right away, I wanted to find something that my wife and I could, I love flying. Uh, and I wanted to justify, you know, flying my airplane. My wife's a big, uh, uh, big into animals. She's an animal lover. And I said, what's something that I can do that, that I love to fly. And she loves animals that we can do together. And we kind of started off doing the pilots for pause. Um, right after, after a few missions of that, I realized that that was something I really wanted to, to take a step further. Um, and I, I kind of went back to some family history, uh, that I had, uh, personally, Back in 2015, my two-year-old niece was was diagnosed with a rare hepatoblastoma uh, liver cancer, and uh, she battled with it for a year, uh, and then right after her three-year-old birthday, she passed away. Um, I, I, I've been displaced from my family through the military for the last 20 years. Uh, we've never really been able to be in the same place. So uh, the, the previous couple of years to move into Missouri, I was out in Korea while a lot of this was going on with my family. And my sister got deeply involved in nonprofits and doing a lot of research and things. And I wanted to find a way that me and my wife and my family could give back to the, the pediatric cancer, um, you know, that whole environment and just, just figure out a way that, that we can do that, uh, being displaced from, from them. Um, and, and this was the, the perfect way that I found that, that we could do that. So I did a little research on volunteer organizations, uh, and this was the best opportunity that came up in the, in the Midwest region. So I just jumped into it, um, and immediately got involved in, uh, in angel flight. Now I've been involved about a year or so, and I'm, uh, going on the eighth mission that I've, uh, had the, uh, the privilege of flying, uh, with folks all over, uh, the Midwest region. And then just recently I was able to do a camp flight, which was super cool. Um, that was a, um, uh, a member who needed, who had a, a medical condition and then his two siblings, uh, going to camp from Kansas city up to Minnesota. Um, so it has just been absolutely in- incredible. Um, I was able to bring my wife on a couple uh, opportunities because she's the, she's the socialite. She's the one that makes everybody feel, uh, loved, cared, you know, um, and opened up to everybody. And I tell you that every passenger that we've flown um, has now become like personal friends and uh, we keep up with them uh, on social media, what they're doing, their treatment, everything, um, invited them to our home, uh, all, all kinds of things like that. 
So it has just been this huge uh, kind of outreach, uh, additional, you know, network of people uh, that we'd love to, to be able to help, but have now also become uh, a friends and things like that. So uh, th that was really why I did it because of the love for flying uh, and the ability to, uh, to get involved and, and offer something back to um, that, that pediatric cancer, um, you know, side of the house. And it, it, again, we've already kind of talked, it's not just pediatrics right now. It's, it's the majority of them are, are older folks as well that, that need uh, assistance and all of those things. And I've got the opportunity to do both of those uh, in just in the last 12 months, which has been great. That's really wonderful. And probably the biggest reward when you do something for somebody that you know, and they know that you, that there's no way in God's green earth, would they be able to repay you? And that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And, and the best part about it, I mean, obviously, you know, we all do it. We volunteer because there is no expectation uh, for any sort of, of, of payback, right? Uh, I, I've had have people ask and talk like, oh, you guys are you're getting, you know, paid back for this, right? Or you guys are getting compensated for this, right? And um, I just, you know, I kind of stop the conversation and I don't really get into it um, because they don't, they don't need to know and it, it's irrelevant, right? Um, that, that's kind of the most important thing is that they're getting taken care of. Uh, we love doing it. Uh, and, and that's all that really matters, you know. Greg, <clears throat> Greg and his volunteer pilots the, last year alone, just to make what we did last year happen, they donated collectively $2.3 million amongst themselves to, wow. to, to make the mission happen last year. That is incredible. That's really mm -hmm. something. How do the people that need your services find you? And like what qualifications, you, you talked about that there's, you know, 200 flights and screening, what kind of things are you guys looking for when you're selecting people uh, to be recipients of flights? Well, the outreach part is our, is our biggest nemesis. And, um, and the pandemic didn't hurt, help us at all because everybody we had relationships with um, either left or um, is so disheveled within the total com medical community um, that we're just in the back of people's mind. But being such a small staff over the years, we don't have um, the, the manpower to get out there and, and shake hands and um, look at social workers and doctors and oncologists and social service organizations in the eye. Um, <clears throat> Zoom is going to help a lot um, with this next um, several years now that we've discovered this technology. Uh, but um, outreach and awareness is our, is, is just been really, really difficult for us. Um, and, but we rely mainly in, on word of mouth and families telling other families. And if you're sitting in a room with 27 people at, in Rochester, Minnesota, getting chemo, um, then, then of course, everyone's going to talk amongst themselves. And so um, encourage pilot, our passengers to, to sp spread the word amongst each other. Um, we send flyers and emails out to social workers and doctors and um, as many hospitals as we can. We have a nice little group of ground volunteers that um, that try to be our eyes and ears within their own community um, and spread the word a little bit. Um, but um, could it be better? Absolutely, it sure could. Um, I have to do a little shout out for Southwest Airlines because they realized um, how difficult this was. And so uh, for the next year, they gave us 35 anytime you could use um, e-passes for any wow. outreach purpose. So if you know, outreach opportunities to meet at a hospital or meet a group of hospitals or whatever. Southwest Airlines has helped us get there and back, which was really nice of them to help us with the bottom line and outreach. Um, once the passenger does reach us, the, the key, um, there's really three to four really key elements. 
um, understanding general aviation and um, the types of planes that we utilize, um, they have to be mobile. Um, and so our friends in wheelchairs and stretchers um, um, are, aren't terribly a good fit, um, especially when you have to climb up the slanted surface of a wing uh, <clears throat> or crawl in the front seat and then crawl to the back seat and then sit upright for the entire time. So mobility is key. Um, the second is timing. Um, we have to respect pilots' um, schedules. And so um, people like Greg, um, we can't put a need on him for the next day because he has to be able to clear his schedule and um, rent the aircraft or talk to the club about um, aircraft utilization. So we ask our passengers to give us a good seven or so business days. At the same time too, there's a medical release we like to fax to the treating physician for every passenger we fly at least annually. So that seven days gives us time to contact the, the passenger's physician describing the aviation experience the passenger's gonna go through. So we're not reversing any treatment or putting the passenger in any harm. And with that doctor's signature, it clears pilots like Greg so he can relax and know that they've been signed off by their physician and, and they're going to be okay in the air. Then third, we've got the weight and balance and the, you know, there's families of four that want to travel. And, um, you know, that's tough when a lot of the planes are four to six seats in size and you have an entire family that wants to go to fill it, you know, for a surgery of a child or something. And we understand that, but we try to teach them that, the, you know, the less passengers you have, the bigger the chance of this flight being accepted by a volunteer. And then distance is another big thing. Um, we, we do not want um, to fly at night um, or in the dark. We want the, path, or the pilots to be able to do their section of their leg and get back to work or get back home in a reasonable amount of time. So we concentrate our flights um, anywhere between 100 and 900 nautical miles. And then we divvy up each flight by 300 miles. So every pilot is only flying a 300 mile leg um, and so, um, so pa passengers who call us and, and need to get out to LA or Phoenix, um, longer distances, the, you know, the furthest East coast free leg plus flights, as you guys know, it's not comfortable in general aviation aircraft, especially if you just got chemo or you had surgery or, um, it's just not a pleasant place to be for more than 900 nautical miles. And that's pushing it, um, with weather conditions and things. So, um, we're working with the with the passengers through each of these things, trying to get them to understand what they're going to be experiencing, letting them know that we don't have missions. Um, we're not going to force our pilots to fly through something that they don't want to. Um, if they don't feel good the day of or having some sort of mechanical, um, then we we teach every single one of our passengers who call um, to describe to us what their backup plan is, so we can describe and. Um, pilots like Greg um, don't feel that pressure to say, you know what, today probably wouldn't be a great day. They put that back on us and they, uh, we, with pride, call that family and let them know a reschedule needs to happen. Or um, let's, I remember your backup plan. So let's, let's jump in that train or that bus or jump in the car and head that way. Um, so our pilots don't feel um, pressured to complete a mission. Um, so that's what we're doing back in the office. Um, once our volunteer pilot accepts the flight, then the first leg pilot is in charge um, and they do the communicating between the additional pilots and with the passengers, trying to find an adequate airport closest to the passenger's front door and they route the flight and they're in charge from there on out. So 
Um, it's a pretty slick system if all of those characteristics and all those stars align. That's really that's, great. That's probably one of the coolest things too, is you get um, Air Care Alliance, ACA. Yeah. So, so you know, ACA, they got a lot of corporate, they got a lot of GA and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So you do have a, you do have a huge opportunity to reach out and, and find other missions that, that might fit, that might not be a, a an AFC mission. That's now, correct. So we talked about the qualifications that you need to have in order to go on an angel flight as a passenger, but what about your pilots? What are the requirements that you have? Um, how do you select your pilots? The main things that we're looking for here in the Midwest is 500 hours PIC, um, unless you have your commercial. And if you have your commercial, it's 250. Um, and then there are some insurance requirements per seat that we require um, and currency. Um, there's, there's a few currency requirements. You don't have to own the aircraft. Um, you just have to be insured. Um, and so we have lots of club pilots. Um, I had a little um, couple, cute couple in central Missouri that had a change jar. And every time they came home every day, they just put change in the jar. And as soon as they got to their 175 bucks where they could rent their, their plane, they did it and flew an angel flight. Um, so um, rental is certainly um, a possibility. The only thing we haven't ever jumped into, and I think, I think it's the majority now across the country, is we do shy away from experimentals just because of the, the vision of it all. I think Change of Flight West will allow experimentals. I believe if you're flying cargo flights, um, you can check on that. But um, And then from there on out, the flight requirements is basically fly a flight every two years is our currency that we look for just to make sure that, that the pilots who do sign up for us um, are active. And um, of course, because of the financial um, obligation that comes along with flying someone, um, we, there's some pilots who can only afford one flight in two years. Um, others will fly every two weeks um, and we have everybody in between. Um, Greg is an exception with eight to fly eight to 10 flights that Greg has in the last year, a couple months is, is um, exceptional. So basically our system will guide every interested pilot straight through the system. If you just go to angelflightcentral.org, there's an application and it'll guide you through every qualification, through every document that we ask you for, and it keeps track of everything you send us. And then we as staff can monitor um, as you are, are applying or are uploading documents to us. We do have a one hour orientation video that we send right when everything is done. Um, we ask you to watch that and the system also keeps track of that little part, just teaching you how to deal with our flight coordination database and how to file a mission report, what to expect with our pilots, what the staff can do to assist you throughout the entire process, um, how to choose your airports, all that stuff is in the is in the orientation video. And once we see that you've watched that, um, then we're going to ask you for a, a badge photo, and we will send you your your lanyard and badge. We'll give you access to the system, so you can see all available flights at the completion of every one of your flights. All the system is going to ask you for your Hobbs time, your total miles, and the system will keep track of not only the make and model um, that you're flying, but also all of those statistics that you're putting in, in at the end of your flight, so you can take the flight report to your accountant. 
and um, have the accountant let you know um, any tax benefits that come along with all of the, the contributions that you just provided someone in need. I want to jump back to something and ask Greg a question here. How much information are you guys getting about your passengers and does that or can that affect your go-no-go decision? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, I, will, I will say from the very beginning, the entire process is extremely seamless. And this is coming from a military background where things are not so seamless. Um, so I, I will say it is it has been fantastic. Uh, it does when you go to the mission board to select your missions. But when you do go into that mission, uh, you can see the passenger's name. You can see their, their diagnosis. Uh, you can see kind of some of their limitations. And then really after that is just the weight requirements and, uh, and who, what other passengers they may be bringing, uh, whether it be a, you know, a parent or a sibling or, a, you know, somebody like that to help them along. So beyond that, uh, you really don't know a whole lot about the passenger other than their medical requirement for flying. Uh, they do list the, the passenger's contact information. So typically I will reach out to that passenger, uh, touch base with them several days before the mission, introduce myself, and then just say, Hey, is there any, um, you know, do you have any concerns or limitations or anything like that? Most of these folks have traveled before. So I typically ask them, you know, have you traveled before? Mainly because it's kind of new to me, you know, how much experience these folks may have. Luckily I did, I did kind of get into a repeat mission with, um, uh, somebody down in Springfield who was repeatedly going up to St. Louis. And uh, we kind of, uh, my wife and I, uh, I don't want to use the term adopted her, her missions, because uh, we got to really know her very well and personally. Um, and it, it was really awesome uh, getting to know her and her family and her cause and, and what she's doing and, and the treatment that she's getting and everything like that. Um, so we really got to know her well uh, and, and her situation. My, my kids would even get involved um, making little, um, little travel uh, snacks and stuff for the passengers and, and putting their names on them and, and putting them in the back seat for them when they would get on and things like that, just to make them more comfortable. Uh, and it, it was just something we could kind of do as a family uh, to, you know, try to make them enjoy the, the traveling because folks are having a hard time. The, the treatment they're getting is not necessarily a great thing uh, in the situation that they're in. So we just try to lighten it up and, and be as, as, as fun, as personable as possible. So, uh, but to answer your question, we, we don't have a whole lot of information uh, at the baseline uh, of, of what you know, uh, what these folks are struggling with, you really either find out when you meet them for the first time or reach out ahead of time and, uh, make that communication connection to find out what limitations they may have. I love hearing that your kids are getting involved in and in making little goodie bags for them. And that's making yeah. it a family affair. That's, that is so cool. So mm -hmm. kudos on, on that to you guys. That's no, really it's cool. Awesome. The, very, the very first one we did was, uh, I want to say on the 23rd of December. Um, so right before the holidays. So, uh, we, we put some, some candy canes and stuff in there and some holiday stuff and, uh, made some cookies and put them in there. And, uh, obviously nobody wants to be traveling to chemo treatment the two days before the holidays. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's kind of what we thought would be, be something neat to do. And I think we alluded to this earlier, but your service is specific to 10 States and those are Midwestern States. Correct. And then it sounds like there's other organizations that if you have to essentially do a handoff across the country, you've got the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, just like you said, the aircarealliance.com, their directory of, of aviation organizations that are all um, top notch, above the line um, nonprofit organizations. Um, we literally collaborate with everyone that we touch. And that's, that's the greatest thing about being here in the Midwest is um, everyone relies on us and we rely on everyone. Um, and so we get to work with all of those organizations, meet all of their needs, and we do the same for them with major medical centers in Chicago and with Mayo. 
Um, sure. There's a lot of people on both coasts needing to go um, to those ma major medical centers. And so they get to reach out to us and ask us for our pilots. And um, so there's a lot of collaboration going on at all times. I just signed up, Brennan. Oh, <laughs> I love it. That's good for you. What do you feel is been some of the most rewarding experiences that both of you have had with Angel Flight? Uh, as the executive director, I, I'm kind of stuck in um, what some would call minutiae, um, you know, back at the office, try to keep a major nonprofit going. Um, but I can tell you that the glory of working in our office is the, um, is, it's the, it's the passion and the kindness and every phone call you answer is someone who's appreciative on the end. Um, it's a donor who is just so happy to be a part of making a connection happen between the office and a volunteer pilot. It's the passengers who have been told, well, heck yes, we can help you. Um, and it's the pilots who are lovingly taking on and adopting these, these families. The day goes so incredibly fast. Um, and so does the night because we sleep so well. Um, knowing that we get the front row seat, you know, to sit back and watch all of these incredible things happen. What are the biggest rewards that you've experienced in working with Angel Flight? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, to be honest, um, it's really just seeing the, the level of appreciation from the, the pastors because they're so overt about it. Uh, and, and to me, it's really not, it, I love, I love flying and I love sharing like aviation with people, but it, to them, it's, it's so much more than that and impacts their lives so much more than that. Um, which, which is really eye-opening because to me, it's like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go fly my airplane and bring these folks from A to B. And it's awesome because I love flying. I love, I love being in the air and I like doing a service for people, but I don't, I don't think about it on such a, such a high level of impact to them. Um, you know, and they, they look at it completely differently, a whole level, different level of appreciation, which, um, which I find super humbling. You know, I think it's, it's great because when you go back and think about it afterwards, uh, at the time, it doesn't really seem like, you know, I'm, I'm doing such a, such a big thing, but when you really analyze it, uh, to these folks that, you know, don't either don't have the means or don't have the ability to be in a car for a long period of time, or don't have the means to get, you know, get themselves there for this life, you know, life-saving treatment, um, it's, it's awesome. And it's incredible when you kind of think about it on your own internally, it's, um, it's, it's super rewarding. And I, I think that's probably the best part. It's fantastic. I love that answer. Yeah, it's great. I just want to say, if I lose you, I, I apologize. I'm not jumping off early. I, I think I'm down to like 1% of my old iPhone eight, uh, out here. <laughs> oh, no. um, you need I, a new phone. I, complete, I started at a hundred percent, just so you're aware. No worries. No, no worries. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, Greg. Absolutely. Thank Thanks so much for the invite. Yeah, we certainly appreciate having you. So I had one other question I was going to ask, and that is, what does the future hold for Angel Flight Central? It's interesting. Um, very, very interesting. The insurance, um, Medicare, Medicaid um, are putting some barriers at state lines um, and, um, and not being as welcoming for passengers that are needing to cross several states to get to where they need to be. And so we are at a challenge where um, we we're basically looking for additional needs. What what is out there that can be solved with runways? Um, is it is it in the military family? Um, is it is it working with sex trafficking victims, or at least getting the professionals to the victims to rescue them from where they're at? Um, it's all of these issues that society is dealing with right now. 
um, and, and where can general aviation fit in and where could we be of service in that? So we're always going to be seeking those opportunities. However, we also want to, to meet the need when we find it. And with the, with the decline in, um, in um, general aviation pilots, um, then we always want to make sure that we have the pilots available to meet whatever that need is. So we got to keep the pilot population up and um, as well as, as find those additional needs where we can be of service. Well, if there's anything that we can do on our end to help get the word out about uh, other organizations that might be a benefit to your services, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, we don't want to step on anybody's feet, um, but we certainly want to find um, those communities that need help. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you wanted to wrap up with a story, it sounds like. No, you, I don't have to. <laughs> well, we're curious now. You've okay. you've laid the groundwork. And... <laughs> oh, it 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 put us and it just happened. And so it it just it's one of those things that it's just so strange. We had a lady, we had a mom who called us uh, 15 years ago for her son just on the border of, of um, North Dakota and needed to get to Mayo. That her, her son had three open heart surgeries in his first two years. Oh, wow. um, so we provided that transportation to her. So fast forward, now he's in high school. Um, and, um, and the mom called on a Thursday night and said, we just got a call from Mayo and they have someone in the hospital currently right now that may not survive, but they want to, it would be a perfect opportunity to donate the new heart. Um, and so we have a heart transplant waiting on us if we can get to Rochester. Well, not, that doesn't meet like what I described to you all. That's kind of on the fringes of what we can assist with. Um, but our flight coordinator at the time um, said, we've got some great pilots right there in your community. Let's, uh, I'll give them a call and give you a call back. And so she started calling, got a hold of a pilot named John. John said, you know what? This is really interesting because I'm supposed to fly all of the breast milk for the Minnesota Milk Bank tomorrow. Let me do weight and balance and see if I can fit him in. And maybe tomorrow morning I can do the breast milk and get this kid to the hospital. Um, so I'll call you back. And so our flight coordinator waited at the office. Um, the office closed. She remained waiting and waiting and waiting and hadn't heard anything. So at about 6.30 that night, PM called the mom and said, you know what? I haven't heard back from him. And so I don't think the news is terribly good. And the mom was crying, so upset. And she said, you won't believe this, but the pilot just called me and is coming to pick me up right now. Wow. So the pilot went and picked her and the son up delivered them that night um, to Mayo so they could get there in time. What was crazy, what we learned about the next day is John, his father, who's 94 years old, served on the team at the University of Minnesota that invented the machine that keeps your heart, your body alive during heart transplants. And his dad was bedside or in a bed. And so when John got back, he took the thank you note that the mom had written during the flight and took it to his father's bedside and said, look what we just did tonight, dad, to share with the dad who invented the machine that was going to keep that kid alive during his surgery. That's amazing. Um, So it's just, um, and, and of course the next day he went and did the, all of the breast milk flights in Minnesota for us. I mean, these guys and gals who, who volunteer their time are just, you know, just beyond 
um, angels. They're they're true, true heroes. Well, that is an incredible story. I'm glad that we got you to share that for us. Yeah, that was, yeah. I keep saying that's amazing, but that's literally all the words I have. It is. It's, It's incredible. Yeah, it's you guys taking your talent that that not too many people have that ability to get up there and fly, and um, and literally changing the world with your talent. Oh, I love that. So what's all about? So before we actually close out, is there anything else that you all wanted to cover that we haven't talked about that you want to get out? Or you guys have a very worthy cause, and we want to make sure that if there's any message you wanted to get out, that we've covered it. No, I'll just tell the three of you that this is, uh, as I said, we don't get the ability to spread the word. And so this is um, a priceless gift just to be able to speak with you guys. So um, it's a tremendous gift to us. We're glad glad you're able to come on. I mean, this is Angel Flight's been been kind of like near and dear to me for the longest time because I, I don't know about Maddie and Jim, but I love helping people as probably as much as those two do. So it's I'm glad we had you on board. Ah, thank you. I, I honestly, but uh, beyond the very like bare basics, you fly people who need it places. I, I would hear Angel, especially in Minnesota, I'd hear Angel flights on the radio and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. But beyond that, I, I didn't know really what you guys did, but I think that's mm-hmm. just phenomenal that you guys have such an awesome organization that does so much good. We'll see what we can do to, to keep you guys rolling with pilots and uh, get more people the help that they that they need. Absolutely. That's awesome. Wonderful. Anything else from Maddie or Trevor? Thanks for coming aboard and thanks for sharing your uh, your company with us. Yeah, thank you so uh, much. This has been a really fun episode. You. Appreciate you all very, very much. Keep up the great work. Right back at you. Yeah, thank you so much. You too. <laughs> they had a lot of good things to say. And like, this is a first. I almost cried. Like Right? With that story? Yes. That was, oh, wow. I almost lost it. And it's like, I know it's like nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, like <laughs> I shouldn't be crying here, but, oh, that was so I'm not annoying. crying. You're crying. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was such a really touching story though. That's, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that he shared that with us. Oh, me too. Oh my gosh. Well, I do sincerely thank Greg and Brendan for coming on this episode. It, that's a really cool organization. Honestly though, Angel Flight is a wonderful organization and they do a lot of good and it's really incredible to see, you know, something very pure in the world still, because there's a, there's a lot of nasty stuff out there and, you know, a lot of people suck and it's, it's hard to see the good stuff. No, I'm serious. It's sometimes hard to see the good and, you know, a while, you know, medical issues definitely exist and that stuff is really, really hard. It's cool to see the organizations like Angel Flight that are made up of purely volunteers. Everybody's a volunteer and they're sacrificing their time, money, and energy just to get people who wouldn't otherwise be able to get from point A to point B yeah. so they can get potentially life-saving treatment. It's amazing. It really yeah. is. I keep saying amazing, but it is, it really is. So I'm standing by it. You should. Hey Jim, who do we have coming on in our next episode? You guys are gonna freak out. This is gonna be awesome. I am so excited for the next episode. Our next episode, airshore performer Kyle Franklin of Franklin's Flying Circus. Recently performed at such events as Air Venture 2022. Um, he's got a Wait. really cool routine. And is he is he the drunk pilot? Yeah, that's the dude. We're gonna have a good time. I'm really excited. 
That's so awesome. I've always thought it was so cool. Like I've seen videos and stuff of, of his performance and it's nuts. Like I would never, I personally would never try any of that. It's so cool. Dragon wings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the first initial climb up that it's like at like 25 degrees. <laughs> it's just like, Wee! it's like already, it's like, all right, this is going to be a trip. There is a video on the internet that was recently posted. Um, from inside the cockpit and you can see how much work he's really doing. Um, oh my gosh. We'll post that imagine. on our, we'll post that on our social media as a teaser for those of you who don't listen to the podcast. And maybe you'll come and listen to that one and then come back and listen to this one. And then it will all be first full circle. All this will make sense. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> I like that idea. You know, it's even more fun though. What Trevor? People actually go and buy some more merch. That'd be fun for me. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool. I want to see a bunch of goofy aviators wearing our t-shirts everywhere. I know, right? That'd be awesome. Then when I get home, I'll I'll buy a t-shirt and I'll tack it on the wall for everybody to see it. You could wear it too. I mean, that's that is an acceptable. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tack it. The purpose of a shirt. <laughs> I'm gonna tack it on the wall. Tack it on the wall. We're recording. It'll be my backdrop. No Why one sees us recording. It's just us. It's just us this season. You can wear it though. That's fine. That's a totally acceptable use of a t-shirt. Thanks. So. That's like yeah. one of the few uses for it. Actually, that's not true. It's one I of the original designs for it. Actually, you can wear it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Like a, if you are looking forward to buying some of the merch, head on over to uh, flyingmidwest.com forward slash merch. That'll be posted in the show notes again. So you can find that there. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. And until next time, see ya. See ya. See ya. Let's have 536 contact Minneapolis Center 132.35 today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day. Let's go. I told Trevor not no extra chatting, but he said no. So, or yeah. rather, he told, said, You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Emo. What do you feel listening? I love you. Uh, what the- what are, is this total request live where you just start giving out shout outs to all these different <laughs> things? Hey, my, it's my sister. I have absolutely aged myself when I just said that. <laughs> The only person I know who has a plane has a Cirrus and I can't fly it. Oh, you sure could fly it. You just got to figure out how. Tell you what, call Brian Turner. He will sign you off and it's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm trying to, um, you know, slowly withdraw my need to plug him every episode. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's hilarious. It's such a good running bit. We'll allow it, Maddie. That was already. Oh, happened. it's we now. Yeah. When, when did you become part of the deciding process? Um, I just let him in. I left the door open, so. Whoops. I'm like I'm like a wet dog that just got rained on, and Jim accidentally let the door open, <laughs> and he's just shaking everywhere. You said dog, <laughs> and my dog woke up. Someone said dog. That's me. I'm oh a dog. no, you're fine. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you. I'm still recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at a meme that I saw by accident. I'm trying to think of that you like, saw by okay. <laughs> well, okay, I'm on YouTube, right? 
I'll have to. So how how committed to the podcast experience are you then if you're just watching YouTube while we're talking? <laughs> hey, sorry. My hey. friend is like, hey, come try my beans. And she was standing at my door. So <laughs> I'm going to leave. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. The more you toot, the better you feel. So eat beans at every meal. That's not going in the podcast. <laughs> Once again, if you're looking forward to looking... <laughs> You're looking forward to looking for the for the visuals. Looking for the visual one niner right? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this, the, what? What am I trying to say? Are you done? Um, maybe. <laughs> Don't rush him. Then you said no. It's a decorative bowl, and it's going to sit on I my. Did you say a decorative bowl? No. You did. And you know how you can be sure? You'll hear it in the bloopers. <laughs> I'm excited about my decorative bowl. Yeah, you can, you can listen back and go, oh yeah, I did say decorative. That's right. Do you want a good product, Jim? Do you want to build a snowman? That's all I heard. <laughs> I know, same. <laughs> Bye, Felicia.